0: If you want to open up your Bibles to read along, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. I'm reading from the CEB version. At one time, you were like a dead person because of the things you did wrong and your offenses against God. You used to live like people of this world. You followed the rule of a destructive spiritual power. This is the spirit of disobedience to God's will that is now at work in persons whose lives are characterized by disobedience. At one time, you were like these persons. All of you used to do whatever felt good and whatever you thought you wanted so that you were children headed for punishment just like everybody else. However, God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace. And God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. God did did this to show future generations the greatness of his grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. The salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you could be proud of. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives.
1: Good morning again, everybody. As I was thinking about this being the very first Sunday of 2022, I was thinking, what's what's a word to start the year off and... I thought, well, the first word always has to be grace. Grace is where everything gets started. Everything got started in the grace of God. That's what the scriptures teach us. God's grace is amazing. You can say amen to that. Yeah, you can like jump up and down and be, be excited about it. And uh, grace is something that I've been thinking about for an experience in living in for, for many decades now. And I know that some of you in this room have and some of you watching on, online have. But I want to say that this is, the grace of God is an invitation, actually, for all humanity. And we're going to unpack that this morning. So if, if today you're listening to me and you, you are not sure and confident that you're in the grace of God, we want to say this is an invitation from the Lord for you to start this year, to enter into his grace, to enter in and receive this gift as it was read to us this morning. Well, in 1996, where were you living? Some of you weren't born. Some of you were like, I wasn't even a twinkle in my parents' eye, Um, but some of us were. And in 1996, uh, Julie and me and Daniel and Nathan, we were living in Los Angeles uh, at that time, and we decided to go on an adventure, and we packed up our little Dodge Aries car. Decided to set off a trek through the desert from Los Angeles to visit the Grand Canyon, and specifically the north rim of the Grand Canyon in Arizona. How many of you have been there? A few of you have. You'll know what I'm talking about. So we arrived after many hours, and there's a journey on the way, but we got there. And um, we arrived at our, our little cabin that we were staying at. It was. By memory, it was dark. We had to kind of fumble our way into that place, and then the next day we got up uh, while it was still dark. We didn't have we had sleep, but we, not a lot of sleep, because we had to get up in the dark, and get dressed, and then drive in the car through the dark, obviously with the headlights on, to the to the parking spot, and then we had to walk in the dark following the path. And we had two excited little boys who wanted to run off and explore things and were doing all kinds of interesting things in the dark, but that's all right. And then we got to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. In the dark, we we waited, waited for something to happen. Something that we couldn't control, something that we had no no input into at all. We just had to wait and watch. And as we stood and we watched the sun rising in front of us and the colours of the canyon beginning to thing and the shadows disappearing and more and more light as the sun began to rise and it became more and more magnificent. It was spectacular, it was breathtaking. We stood in silent awe, actually. The day before we'd been in Las Vegas, very noisy city, Lots of lights in Las Vegas too. Lots of noise in Las Vegas. But to stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and to watch the sunrise, and there were other people there as well, no one was speaking. It was quite, the contrast was stunning. No one was speaking. Everyone was just standing in silent awe. We don't know what was going on through other people's minds but we were standing in awe at worshipping God. And the more we peered into the canyon and the, as the more the sun began to rise, the more we began to see of the details. And I, and I want to suggest to you that peering into the grace of God is a little bit like that. The more you peer into it, the, the more you see the colours and you more become fascinated with it. You could have just like oh yeah I've been there done that I got the t-shirt got the cap you know we're, we're all good I got I got grace but I'd say no you don't if we're not standing in awe and wonder we're not fully understanding it so here we are at the beginning of 22 and God's first word to us is grace and I want to say Please use 2022 as an opportunity to discover more of God's grace, to stand in awe and worship him. Well, we probably need to give you a bit of definition of grace. You just turn to your neighbour, tell them what grace is. What's grace? Give me your give me definition. Turn, what's grace? What's your definition of Grace we've given it away yeah you saw it on the screen yeah so so on the screen behind me we've got the little little statement God's riches at Christ's expense let's say that together God's riches at Christ's expense okay what do you notice about the word grace how many letters in the word grace five how many words in that little phrase Right? Have you noticed that each of the letters correspond? So this is a good way to think of grace. If you want a simple, de- yeah, some of you are like ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, G R A C E. God's riches at Christ's expense is a really good way to think about this. It's God's undeserved. I am the recipient of God's undeserved. Favor, God's undeserved mercy, his riches, his blessings. It's, he, God is extending to everyone the privilege of becoming a member of his family. God's extending to every single person on the planet the privilege of becoming a member of his family. Let me give you a really long definition of grace. Grace gives me faith. To trust that the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ atones for all my rebellion, cancels the entire debt I owe God and restores me to be a child of God with an eternal home and a glorious inheritance. Hope you got all that. You can watch it back later. So grace is me receiving God's riches at Christ's expense. And, uh, I want to suggest very quickly this morning that grace has four results. And we look at, when we look at Paul's letters and Peter's letters in the New Testament, it teaches that God's grace does four things. It saves, it transforms, it motivates, and it rewards us. God's grace saves. It transforms, it motivates and rewards. That's what we see the grace of God doing in the lives of people in the Bible. That's what we want to see happening more and more in our own lives. If we have entered into the grace of God, we want to see that we have been saved and we are being saved, we are being transformed and we are being motivated by God's grace and we will be rewarded by God's grace. Paul said it this way, Ephesians 2 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. And the great news about that is that that makes it accessible for everybody. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Peter, in his letters, Second Peter 3, verse 18, he says to the people, he says, You must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grow in that grace. So grace is something we receive and it's something we grow in. It's important to understand. And this morning, I want to take the rest of the time we've got available to talk about the act of God's grace that it saves us. And so we're looking in Ephesians chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, I encourage you to open it up. Ephesians 2. This is a great chapter. These first 10 verses is what we're going to focus on this morning. It was read to us. And Ephesians 2, Paul opens up this chapter. He unpacks a lot of things in chapter 1 about the knowledge of God and how important and what God's done and all of those things. And then he, he introduces chapter 2. And When he wrote his letter, it didn't have chapters in it. We understand that. So we're using what's been handed down to us in this way. And he, he opens up with this human predicament. He describes it. His first few verses. And he says... This is the human predicament. Humans are actually like dead people because of their offenses against God. Because humanity is ruled by a destructive spiritual power. Because humans are disobeying God's will. Because humans are doing whatever whatever feels God. Because humans are pursuing whatever we think we want. We are headed for punishment. We are headed for the just and the righteous judgment of God. That's the human predicament that Paul opens up Ephesians 2. He says, everyone is on the planet is like a dead person because we do not desire God. And this is a really, really important point to understand. From a biblical perspective, everybody, there are no good people. There aren't. There are no righteous people. There are no holy people outside of Christ. Everyone is ruled by destructive spiritual power. That's what Paul is saying. We've come under the prince of the power of this air. We call him Satan. We call him different names. But there's an invisible kingdom that he is ruling and he is wreaking havoc throughout humanity. And he's been doing it since Adam and Eve first sinned in the Garden of Eden. All humans are doing whatever we think or feel. If it feels good, we do it. If we want to do it, we do it. We're all subject to God's anger and his just judgment because we're all sinners. Some people like that. How dare you call me a sinner? Well, I'm calling myself a sinner. Outside of Christ, that's what I am. That was my identity. I was, I was going my own way. And we look around the world and it's important that you don't be deceived, people. Because in the world... If a person is outside of Christ, they are in this predicament that Paul is talking about. So there are, it's important to understand, there are highly educated sinners. And there are sinners without any education, but they're both sinners. There are glamorous sinners. There are respectable looking sinners. And there are dirty rotten looking sinners as well. There are wealthy sinners and poor sinners. And sinners come in all different shapes and sizes and colors. It's all the same from God's perspective. There are white Australian sinners and indigenous sinners. And sexuality makes no difference either. There are heterosexual sinners, homosexual sinners, transgender sinners, and there are religious sinners, people who are following all kinds of religious spiritual paths, trying to conform, trying to do all sorts of things, trying to make themselves acceptable to God or, or even there and there are atheist sinners as well so in the, so when when we say someone is a sinner always stating is a is a reality from a biblical perspective it's not a statement of their value or worth it's a statement of what the bible says that we are we're all in need of salvation we're all in need of someone coming from outside of us because we're dead because we're powerless we need reviving that's the that's the picture that paul is painting here the predicament of humans if when people are dead they cannot revive themselves that's what Paul is saying. That's what we were like. We we're powerless to save ourselves. So that's the opening, opening verses of chapter 2. This is the predicament of every single human being. And now Paul's going to transition. He's going to magnify God right now. So verses 4 through to 10, he begins to unpack the richness of God's mercy. He highlights that. He highlights God's rich in mercy. So against the human predicament, we now see God's mercy, God's love, God's grace, God's kindness, what God does, how God gives us life, how God has raised us from the dead when he's raised Jesus from the dead. Now God has seated us in the heavenly realms Because we are united with Christ. So there's great dignity and value that's come. And again, Paul is saying, this is a gift that you've received. You didn't earn this. You can't take any credit for this. None of us can. Because what God is doing, we are all examples of the incredible wealth of God's grace. We're all examples. We're trophies, if you like. Who's got a trophy cabinet at their home? Anyone ever win a trophy? Got them on display? I've heard of a bloke called Roger. He plays a bit of tennis. He's got a few. And I heard that he's got a trophy room about the same size as this hall. That could be an exaggeration. And you can walk through his trophy room, if you ever got to his home, and he can point to all the trophies. I won this, here, this, there, you know, all that kind of thing, Right? I want to suggest to you this morning that God has a trophy cabinet and all of those who are in Christ are in his trophy cabinet. This is hypothetically speaking, you see, because this is part of the image that Paul's using here. And, he's, and God's got you. If you're in Christ, God's got you in his trophy cabinet. And he points. If he was showing someone through his trophy cabinet, he would go, here. And he would point to you and he would name you. Here's a trophy of my grace. This one I redeemed, and he would tell the story of how he redeemed you, what your life was like before he redeemed you, before he gave you life. Before, and he would brag about you. It's a it's a great picture. He did this. He saved us. This is a gift from God. None of us earned it. This by our own efforts, which is, makes it exceptionally good news. We rest in this, so i 've come across a couple of uh, couple of great Japanese disciples of Jesus recently. one of them's uh, Makoto Fujimura. I hope you 're pronouncing his name correctly, and I um, was recently introduced to his work by a friend of mine he 's a Japanese artist who 's also a disciple of Jesus. He lives in New York City. Um, he was uh, just, his studio was actually not far from where the Twin Towers were destroyed in uh, 2001. And um, Makoto's introduced me to a particular Japanese art form, and I hope I pronounced this correctly, it's Kinsugi. Now it comes from two, uh, two Japanese words, the first word kin means gold. If you speak Japanese, nod your head and say, yes Wayne, that's right. Um, if you don't, don't, don't say anything. Um, you know, and the second word is sugi, which means to mend, and it also means to link together, link the generations together. So we've got this gold mending and gold linking the generations together. And one of the things that Japanese artists have done through the centuries is mended broken tea bowls with gold and lacquer. And a bowl mended with gold, is, gold is obviously more valuable than it was when it was originally made because it's just made of ceramic now it's made of ceramic and gold and i just think this is a great picture of god's grace of what god has done our lives broken by sin damaged broken by our sin by the sin of others but god who is rich in mercy god whose great love his compassion and his kindness god has carefully gathered all the broken fragments of our lives And like a kinsingu master, he has graciously and skillfully put the pieces together so that we can do the good things that he originally planned for us to do. So that our purpose, we can be useful again, like a bowl that's been mended, we are now useful again in the master's hands. Isn't this a beautiful picture? But the Bible says we're actually restored with something more valuable than gold. Peter wrote it this way, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Grace, people, I'm praying this stirs your spirit at the beginning of this year a broken bowl repaired with gold is more valuable but a life redeemed and restored by the blood of Christ has infinite value has eternal value and this is what grace does and this is our message this is the message we carry we are recipients of grace and we go and we point to other people to Christ and say this is what Christ can do for you will you receive his grace God's grace saves us from death. It seats us with Christ in the realm of heaven. It restores us to our place in God's eternal family. We've got a resting place in his home that no one can take away from us. And God's grace recommissions us to do the good things that God planned for us to do. In short, you would say it like this. God's grace gives us a reason to live. God's grace gives us the reason to live. We who were useless, dead, broken, fragmented, have now been pieced together in Christ when we've come to and surrendered our lives to Christ and he's now put us back together and makes us useful again for his purposes. As we think about 2022... I don't know if you've got any goals or resolutions for 2022, but I want to leave this one with you for this morning. From Peter, that you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That you take time this year. Like we took time when we stood on the rim of the Grand Canyon, watched the sunrise, and we took it all in. That you, you just take your time to stand and and let the grace of God wash over you again and again. Do stand in awe, gaze on the cross of Christ, contemplate what God has done. Take Ephesians two, write it out, put it up in your home and display it. Talk about it, meditate on it, sing about it, read it, write it with your kids. Do it, memorize it, do it every day. Just surrender to God, surrender to God's grace and receive and let worship rise up in your heart. For some of you to grow in the grace of God, it's going to mean stop trying to convince yourself and others that you're a good person. Stop trying to live up to whatever you think you have to do. Jump through the hoops that you think you have to jump through hoops that you think will make you acceptable to God and to other people but rather step into the grace of God and let that grace save you, transform you motivate you and reward you let's pray together God my prayer for us as a people but my prayer is for all the people all of your people across the earth That in this year of 2022, we will stand in awe and worship because of your grace. Because we have received your riches at Christ's expense. Our rebellion has been paid for. Our sin has been atoned. You've given us a new identity. You've seated us with Christ. You've raised us with Christ. Christ that Christ consume our thoughts more and more in 2022. For people who are in this room, Lord, and, have, and who do not know Christ, have not surrendered their lives to Christ today, have not been recipients of this grace of God, I'm asking Holy Spirit to reveal that you would reveal Jesus to them. I'm asking you to stir up a curiosity and a hunger and motivate them to find out more about Jesus today. We also think of our family members and friends. Friends close by, friends far away physically. We say, God, would you stir up in their hearts a curiosity and a motivation to learn more about your grace, to understand who Jesus is and what he's done. Stir it up in their hearts in 2022. That this word of grace would run swiftly in us and through us for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.